0: Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 59, Good and Grief. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's awareness offering whenever you might be listening to it. But if you'd like to support what you are listening to on the show here, best ways to do so as always are rating, subscribing, and or leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. If you feel so inspired, you can also share by word of mouth or via social and all of those things just help other people find the show. And I'm deeply appreciative of that. But as I do every week, I reserve my deepest appreciation for the fact that you're here. So here we are. Let's get into it. Let's go into our opening ritual that we do each week of singing the sound of Om one time. Om is the sound of consciousness, the pure energy or vibration, right? Sound is vibrational. Vibration and energy are somewhat synonymous. So the pure energy of consciousness itself. And we're just asking that that be the container, right? That be the, that be the energy we can wrap ourselves up in, in whatever we might be sharing here in our space today, in the, in the discussing and practicing that we're doing together. May it all be wrapped in consciousness is what we're asking for. So you can join me in asking for that by singing OM out loud. You can also listen as a practice. If you're coming along, you might get your body into any kind of comfortable position. And if it feels safe and comfortable for you to do so, you could close your eyes or just take a soft gaze by looking down the tip of your nose or toward the ground in front of you. If it is available to you right now, you might take a breath in through your nose. And then release that breath through your nose, just clearing some space. And then we'll inhale for the sound of OM together. Oh. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now for this week's discussion. I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday about a question that I had for myself. And I knew it was my question to answer, even though I phrased the question to my friend as if they could give me the answer. But I knew and I told them that, you know, I know this is on me. I know that only I can answer this question. I just need somebody to kind of chew on it with me. I just need someone to see me um, and hold some space for me in what I'm moving through. And this person is wonderful and did just that. And in the conversation, I came to this insight that really struck me enough to make a podcast episode about it. And anytime I come to insights that seem really wise, I'm always very aware that they're probably that way because they're not coming from me, right? The source is kind of the, the essence or the energy of wisdom or consciousness that we talked about earlier when we did our OM, kind of making itself known to me by saying, hey, tapping me on the shoulder and just saying, hey, remember this, don't forget. So I came to this insight through a conversation with a good friend and I was talking about basically something really amazing something that I've wanted for a really long time finally coming to pass living something that I've been hoping to live for a long time that I've been that I've been wanting and calling in and you know dreaming of if you will it's happening right and it's amazing and in some ways it's not turning out exactly like I thought it would. Imagine that. Imagine things in life not turning out the way we thought we would. Even when they are exactly what we wanted, sometimes they still just don't turn out the way we want. And that's something that I am experiencing. And so I reached out to a friend who understands the type of situation that I'm in to to chew on it, to chew on my questions about this situation and to be seen and it happened. And as I was being seen and sharing with them, I talked about how in this situation I'm living, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good and there's a little grief too now. Now that things aren't exactly how I thought they might be or exactly how I wanted, there's a little bit of grief too. And as I was processing that out loud, I said, or I should say, I asked the question, a rhetorical question, I think, where in life is there not good and grief together? where in life is there not good and grief together. And I had one of those moments where I where I read my own words, I say out loud, but what I mean is I was typing to this person, but that's saying it out loud to me as well. So I said these things out loud, I came to this insight and then I read my own words and I was like, "Whoa." okay, that's something. And again, it was one of those moments where I was like, that definitely didn't come from me. That's, that's wisdom. That's consciousness beyond me. Um, and I'm being gifted with a moment of, of remembering consciousness by, by having this insight. And so there it was, where in life is there not good and grief together? And it struck me so much, not only because it seemed like wisdom that was bigger than just me and was so you know helpful to reframe my thoughts about the situation that I was having, but because when I actually put it that way and think about it in those terms, it seems really freaking true, true enough that I wanted to offer the reminder to anyone else listening who might need it as well. Good and grief together so common and so true in fact that we have a whole expression dedicated to good and grief together good grief <laughs> that is an interjection in the English language it is a it is a phrase we use to show a type of emotion good grief and i actually didn't even think about that until sitting down to say this out loud for this podcast putting good and grief together in the title i was like wait there's a whole phrase that we've dedicated to the fact that good and grief so often coexist so much so that we say it to each other good grief and again when i think about it i i can't now that i feel aware of it in this conscious way now that Whatever source of wisdom was taking care of me in that moment brought this truth to my attention, I can't stop seeing it. I'm seeing it everywhere. Because again, where in life is there not good and grief together? To me, that feels true of the entire human experience. Just to have a very casual, low key conversation with you on the podcast this week, no big deal whole entire human experience. Let's look at it. Let's talk about it. Because life and being alive is this wondrous thing a lot of the time. The fact that some stars exploded and sent a bunch of matter out in all directions and over thousands and millions and billions of years that matter transformed into other types of matter which eventually transformed into you know a whole ass planet that was close enough to a star that other matter could start to form on this planet and you know cellular cellular life could take shape and that cellular life eventually became you know plants and animals and humans and the fact that we're alive here noticing that that's our reality and that's how we got here if we even know how we got here That's pretty fucking incredible, right? It's pretty wondrous and pretty gorgeous to just be alive and to have an experience of being alive and to just experience things on a day to day basis, knowing that. In some ways, it's just a fluke that the stars exploded in the right way and that matter developed in the, in the certain direction that it did and that the stars and planets positioned themselves to the degree that they did that we could be here right now. It's pretty amazing to move through a day experiencing consciousness and, and touch and taste and sound and sight and love and things, knowing that that's true. So being alive is pretty fucking amazing. And at the same time, it's heartbreaking because it's finite. There's always a tinge of grief, a flavor of grief underneath every single moment. No matter how wondrous or terrible or neutral, that grief is always there because it's always going to come to an end. One, just experiences are finite as we live them in life things are always going to change so most things come to an end in one way or the other but then the whole shebang also comes to an end at some point and we we leave right we go out and so there's always going to be some sense of grieving along with our wondrous experiences of feeling life expressed through us in every moment because we're eventually going to be gone. So good and grief in the whole human experience together. And that also feels true of the world, the world that we're in, especially right now, although I can imagine that it's probably been like this before. um, And maybe always will be like this to some degree. Although, you know, we, I think are living in a particularly intense and wildly heightened time of grief and chaos, but in the world it's like we walk outside and we see the leaves changing i'm recording this in fall of 2022 and so right now the seasons are changing and that can be pretty beautiful right there are colors everywhere and the air changes and things just feel like they have a certain type of potential when nature moves in that way so we walk outside and we see Beauty, and we have the chance to take it in and experience it, and maybe even know ourselves as a part of it. And at the same time, there is immense tragedy and injustice and horror in the world, not only in a general sense, but right now. (laughs) Like, there continues to be an unjust war in Ukraine. Freedom fighters, especially women. And girls fighting for human rights in Iran are being held prisoner and killed, just to name a couple, among many, many other things. There's, you know, I could never go through the exhaustive list in just one podcast, but you know, right? If you're, if you're listening to a podcast called Awareness Offerings, I'm going to make an assumption, even though I try not to do that on, as a general rule, but I'm going to make an assumption that you have awareness enough to know that there's a lot of really difficult shit happening in the world right now and probably in your individual life right now i know that's true for me so the good and the grief just in living in the world are are always side by side always there we have our our beautiful experiences and yet it's almost as if we can't quite allow ourselves to take that in without knowing that there's also grief associated and I think that that can be true on the macro level as well, the, the individual day-to-day basis level, as I am currently experiencing it. in this situation where I'm getting something I've wanted for a long time and there's some stuff that's not going exactly how I would have wanted it to. And there is some sadness there. And I think that can happen to so many of us where you know, something beautiful happens and it might be directly associated with something else ending. Or the two might not even be completely related. It might just be that something amazing happens and there's also something hard happening right alongside it. But I can think now that I have this this principle of good and grief together in my awareness, I can think of so many times just in my individual life that they've been beside each other. Enough to say with a relative amount of confidence that I think that they always are. And I know that something I said a few few bars back might have been a little bit prickly to hear. The fact that when we have these beautiful experiences that we almost can't fully let ourselves take that in and feel and experience that without acknowledging that there is grief inherently associated with it. Whether it's because life is finite or it's because the world is really harsh and, and difficult. And there might have been a version of me that would say something like that and kind of balk at it, resist that, and and say that that's, that's not how it should be, right? We deserve to be able to fully take in the goodness in the world and in our lives and in the moment without always having to beat ourselves over the head with the fact that grief exists too. And don't get me wrong. I think that's true. We do deserve to fully take in goodness, but... And, actually, let's not say but, and, right alongside it, at the same time, I think there is value in always allowing ourselves to take in the grief alongside the goodness. Because we live in such a world where it's like the grief is going to be there, whether we acknowledge it consciously or not. In the last few years, I can't remember a moment where I was just like, yes, everything is wonderful, period. And there's nothing else on my mind that could be difficult. The difficulty is there. It's just there. And so if we don't shame ourselves for not being fully ecstatic in moments of beauty because grief also exists, we actually are going to create less grief for ourselves in the long term by allowing the fullness of our experience to exist as it does the goodness and the grief alongside one another, we create less suffering in the long run because we're not spending our energy trying to push away the grief or thinking there's something wrong with us because we experience the pain alongside the beauty. I believe they are inherently intertwined and maybe even meant to be that way. And that is not at all to say, I think we have to experience suffering in order to experience beauty. That the only quote-unquote real types of, of experiences are ones that come with pain. I think that's bullshit. No, it's not what I'm saying at all. But we're going to experience suffering regardless. We don't have to choose it or you know, we don't deserve it. And it's not required in order to experience beauty. But the nature of our lives is that suffering is going to come to us in one way or the other. So if we can hold space for it alongside the fact that it is inherently intertwined with goodness, I think we can give ourselves more space. I think we can have a more spacious heart that has the tools and capacity to hold all the sides and parts of this experience without shaming ourselves for any of them, without getting hyper attached to one or the other, to the pain or to the beauty, so that we can kind of be at the center. We, as in the the true depth of who we are, can be at the center of it all and watch it. Watch life when it's beautiful. Watch life when it's horrible. Watch life when it's both together. And still just kind of be. Be awake and aware and ourselves and there might be a sense of, of steadiness and okayness in that. Even if it doesn't feel okay in the moment of, if we're in a moment of real grief, there might be a deeper sense of okayness where it's like, I'm watching this. I hold space for this without shame. Because where in life are there not, or is there not, you know, good and grief together? So as I find myself doing a lot over the last few years, I'm just sitting with the wholeness of the human experience of how good and grief, good grief, just coexist so much. And that's my, that's my background on, on where I'm sitting, where, how I got here, and what I think about it. And now I'm going to shift into practice. Last week, we didn't have formal meditation in the week prior. We did a little more mantra, but this week, I'm going to leave a lot more intentional space to take this idea because like I alluded to earlier, it's not a small thing to talk about the fullness of the human experience to take this into practice. So that we don't have to wear our minds out trying to wrap them around this this huge concept and instead we just feel we feel that embodiment of holding as much space as possible for the wholeness of our experience as we can because i think that can only only benefit us So this is the point in the Awareness Offerings podcast where we shift from discussion, from talking about it, into practice, into embodying it through seated meditation and contemplation. So if you're not in a position where you can do that safely or comfortably right now, this might be a good time to pause the podcast and come back when you are. And if you are ready right now, first invitation is please find a comfortable seated position. That means any seat at all, as long as you can lengthen your spinal column. That could mean that you're sitting with support on a chair, or on your bed, or with your back against the wall. I would absolutely recommend support under your tailbone. So if you're not, you know, on a chair or your bed and you're on the floor, maybe you grab a pillow or your meditation cushion or a folded blanket or towel. It could mean you have your legs crossed in the kind of classical position we associate with meditation. Doesn't mean that's required. That could mean that your knees are bent and your feet are on the floor or you're sitting on your heels or you've got your legs outstretched. You might have support like pillows or blocks underneath your knees. And really any kind of support you need is welcome because like I said, the only thing you really, really need physically in terms of a meditation posture is a long, spacious spine. And that might look different for each of us. You just want to feel like it's spacious because your spine is the main highway along which all of your energy moves. So there's space for a little more openness, a little more freedom of energy and internal connection when we have that space. So as you find that for yourself here and you settle into your seat, you might choose to close your eyes as a gesture of settling in. You never have to close your eyes though. You could also just take a soft gaze to settle in. Maybe you look down the tip of your nose or gaze softly toward the floor in front of you. Just dialing down the external stimuli so you have a little more energy to put toward your internal world. To connecting with what's going on with you in the moment as we move toward a space of meditation. And here you might move into a practice of breath awareness. It's not required. The breath can just provide a really solid fundamental center point for us to land our focus on. To start to really center ourselves and arrive in the moment. But there's nothing you have to do with your breath or change about your breath right now. I'll just invite you to begin to watch it. To notice it. Just like you would watch you know, a plane fly through the sky. You don't have to change the direction of the plane. That's not your responsibility. You just observe that it's happening. Observing that your breath is moving through you at whatever pace, you know, whatever temperature, whatever sound, however it's happening for you. Just beginning to watch. Connecting to this piece of your present moment experience. Centering in as you invite your mind, your body, and your focus to land in this one place. One way we can start to really have some some witnessing. And to me, witnessing implies compassion, right? Uh, giving ourselves enough time and space to really fully see something and be with it without having to shame or change it. I think that's compassion. So you'll, you'll hear me speak about compassion some in this meditation. And I think one way we can really start to work on our compassionate witnessing of the wholeness of our experience the grief and the goodness like we're working on today is to start with the mind because the mind can teach us a whole whole lot about the wholeness of our human experience because it is if you're familiar with with a Bo Burnham lyric everything all of the time is happening in the mind Every part of our experience and some parts we didn't even ask for going on in the mind as it is constantly trying to make meaning and trying to figure out and and do and analyze. That's what it's made for and it can help us so much. But it's not necessarily needed when we're just trying to witness and to be and to feel the wholeness of the moment. So we don't have to shame the mind, right? This is where we get to practice not shaming our wholeness. But if we can watch it as it goes, that's a great way to, to practice, to build the muscle and the skill of just watching life unfold in its wholeness with compassion, with witnessing. So if as you center and settle in for your meditative practice, you start to notice that your mind is going to go and go. Maybe you just witness it. You start to practice allowing it to be what it is. And what that means is sort of applying some self-reflection to your own mind. Saying, okay, I'm having a thought now. Regardless of what the content is, just naming that it's happening. And maybe then imagining it going out, just like your breath would go out. And each time it happens, just naming that you're thinking. And maybe allowing the thought to dissipate, just like the breath would dissipate. And you just start to witness your own mind, this science lab to practice some compassionate witnessing. And when you have those gaps, spaces where maybe your mind is not taking up so much room, because if we can acknowledge it without shaming it, maybe it won't be so loud. So when you have those gaps, maybe you fill them with that simple awareness of your breath, just recentering in your moment as often as you can settling in, creating some meditative space for ourselves here. You might apply that witnessing to whatever might be going on with you as you consciously give yourself the time and space to be still in your body, to be a little more quiet and inward facing, to be with yourself and witness yourself. You might just notice what what happens. There might be a sense of settling where you feel like maybe your tailbone is a little closer to the earth or that your energy is a little more kind of like like steady and maybe even heavy, but not in a way that's like too much, but like your, your molecules aren't flying in all directions. Maybe they're a little heavier in your being. Maybe you feel a settling and maybe you don't. And that can be something to compassionately witness as well. We'll start to direct that compassionate witnessing into this idea of the good and the grief as pathways into holding an open-hearted, compassionate space for our whole human experience without shame for ourselves or for anything else. So the first thing I'm going to do is invite you to bring to mind something that feels really good. It could be a physical sensation in your own body or your own being right now. Your heart might feel really full and happy. You might feel really relaxed in your body or like long in your spine. Your mind might have a really positive flavor to it today. Or it could be something great that's happening in your life right now. Something you're looking forward to or happy about, excited about. It could just be the fact that you have a really cute pet or you're going to have a great dinner tonight. You know what it is and let your instinct guide you. The first thing that comes up can be something that you can trust is, is real to you. My spiritual teacher, the master teacher of my yoga lineage, Jaya, would sometimes say first thought, best thought. I don't think that means that every time we have our first thought, it's always the best because sometimes our mind can be full of shit. But when we're meditating and we're calling in certain kinds of energy, our intuition often knows. So bring to mind something that feels good and then direct your energy there. And what I mean is imagine breathing into that good thing, whatever it is, just like you might breathe air into your lungs or into your heart space. Imagine actually breathing life, sending your breath toward that good thing, breathing life into it directing your energy and your awareness to that sense of goodness and allowing yourself to be with it, even if there are other things present in your experience right now, alongside the goodness. Moving toward it. You might even use your creative imagination, some visualization, if and only if that resonates for you. Imagining energy actually tangibly moving toward that good thing that you're working with. And know that it's happening. It's actually moving. It could be like imagining light particles or wind or a color moving in the direction and surrounding that good thing that you're directing your energy toward. And just give yourself some time and space to witness and to breathe life and energy into the goodness that you are experiencing right now. Now, making a shift, one that might be a little more difficult, but part of this compassionate witnessing is maybe not assigning so much value judgment to what is, you know good or bad. But I will invite you to bring some awareness, bring to your mind something that is more difficult, more challenging. Something that is a source of grief or sadness in your life right now. It could be physical sensation in your body again. Maybe there's pain in your body or in your heart. Maybe your mind is really pissing you off today. Or maybe it's something in your life, a relationship that's difficult or an event that is really hard. You know what it is. Again, your intuition can guide. In this moment, first thought, best thought. You can trust that. And we'll begin to direct energy and breath and awareness toward that. Sending your breath toward that source of difficulty, just like you would breathe into your lungs or your heart. Breathing life into it. Sending energy and awareness toward that source of difficulty. Maybe using your mind's eye, your creative imagination, to imagine a flow of energy However you see that, moving in the direction of this difficult thing and surrounding it, giving your energy to this source of grief, holding it and witnessing it, giving energy to it, just like you give energy to the goodness. And I don't think that by giving our energy to this source of difficulty, as we're doing now, we are... Breathing life into it in the sense that we are making it bigger. We're focusing more on it, which means our life is going to get more difficult. I don't think that's what this is. I think we're breathing life into it. I think we are nurturing the spaces that feel tender and difficult. Holding space for them. Being compassionate toward them. Offering them our awareness, offering them balance, maybe offering them healing as we send breath and energy toward the difficult space here for a few moments. Now another shift, I invite you to bring awareness to your own heart, to the space at the center of your chest, just a few inches over from your physical heart, your spiritual heart, your energy center of love, gratitude, and compassion of giving and receiving. Now, same thing we just did with the good and the grief we will now do for the heart Breathing into it. Imagining your inhales moving in through the center of your chest toward your spine and the space between your shoulder blades. Then moving out from your shoulder blades through the center of your chest. Breathing in and out at your heart space. Breathing life into your own heart. Sending energy and awareness to your heart. Maybe using creative imagination to do that to see and feel the energy moving into your heart, if that works for you. And as you land awareness in your own heart, I invite you to notice how it feels. What's here? What what comes to mind? What sensations are there? What kind of what comes up? As you think about landing in your heart, having just given some witnessing and some energy toward the good and the grief in your life, how does your heart now feel? Just inviting that curiosity into it as you notice and breathe. And what I will offer now is that the heart is a center point. In yoga philosophy, it's the center. And physically, right, it's the center of the chest, right in the middle of right and left center. But in yoga philosophy, in the energetics of yoga and the chakra system, it is also the center point. There are seven major chakras or energy centers positioned along the spine. The heart is the fourth, right in the middle, So it is said to be the halfway point between the chakras, the energy centers of the lower body associated more with the earth and the physical and our experience in the world and the chakras in the upper body associated more with the universal, with transcendence, ethereal, something bigger than us, something a little more mystical and cosmic. Not that the earth isn't mystical, but you get the idea. And so the heart is the center point between the two, between the physical and the subtle, the earth, the sky, the heart is the center. So with that in mind, as you land in your heart as this center point, maybe you feel it as this hub where you can come to witness the wholeness of all things right from the center, right from a place of of balance and wholeness knowing that there's good and there's grief and you can witness and breathe and give energy to it all, coming to your heart as this open and centered space where you have the strength and the stillness and the love and the capacity to witness and to be in it and to hold it all. Just holding yourself in your heart as that center point for a few more breaths. From this place of centeredness, acknowledging your own heart, I invite you to take one more full breath in as if it could move right in through the center of your chest and nourish your own heart. And exhale as a sense of release and recalibration. As you feel ready, you can begin to blink your eyes open, moving more into your external space. But I'll invite you to know that that internal awareness and that centeredness at the heart does not have to leave you just because you move a little more from internal back to external. That's part of our wholeness as well, is knowing that we can live with awareness of our internal richness and capacity to hold deep space while in the external world. So I offer this you know, this last few moments of this podcast as a deep honoring of your willingness to go in the direction of the goodness and the grief to center yourself at the heart and offer compassionate witnessing to it all. I think it matters so much to be able to hold the fullness of our experience with compassion because I believe that gives us the tools to hold others in compassion and that puts more compassion in our world. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxela Sun, O X E L A S U N, whom you can also find on Instagram.